Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this morning where you promised to be present in your word. And we pray that you would work by your spirit to open our ears and hearts to hear of the hope that John pointed to, the hope which the shepherds pointed to, the hope which you give us in Jesus. We pray, Lord, that that brings us joy. The joy that can only come from you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The priests and the Levites sent from the Jews in Jerusalem. I, this is the same setting that we heard last week, right? Folks coming out to John to see who this guy is. And as the priests and the Levites come down to the River Jordan and they see John baptizing, there's a little bit of an expectant hope. A hope that might just be present in the middle of a fairly hopeless, well, multiple centuries. As they had been waiting to see prophecies fulfilled. As they had been waiting to hear a word from the Lord. As they had been waiting for the Messiah to come. Maybe this John had a little bit of hope. Maybe he was the Messiah. Maybe he was the guy that was going to usher in the new kingdom. As those priests... And Levites come down to ask him a question. Who are you? are you? Are you the one to bring us hope? Now, we kind of understand feeling a want of hope in a hopeless time. I was driving with my family many years ago. Uh, we had a uh, kind of a rhythm of going out to go see some family out in Arizona. And every now and then I would think that I could be awake longer than I really uh, probably should have been. So it'd work in the restaurant all day and get done around 10 o'clock at night and pile the family in the car and head out through the desert for a six-hour drive and head out into Arizona. Well, one evening as we were driving... Uh, it got dark, and focus started to drift a little. Um, very few cars on the road at the point of the desert where we were at. It was a bit past midnight, pushing one in the morning at this point. And I, uh, for whatever reason, had not looked at the gas gauge in quite a while. And so as I looked down, I realized that it was teetering in the midst of empty. I looked around, and I couldn't see any city lights coming up ahead. I really couldn't see any lights coming up ahead. There were no other lights on the car, and the thoughts start going through my head of a bit of hopelessness. Are we going to make it where we need to make it? Are there going to be any other cars that would come by that would help? Are there going to be cars that would come by that would not want to help? And the feeling of hopelessness started to set in, and the feeling of worry started to set in. Were we going to be okay? You see, that sense of hopelessness, I think, is something that weighs on all of us right now. Remember that bit of hope we were given in March? Fifteen days. It'll all be clear. It'll all be done. Wait till June. It'll all be clear. It'll all be done. You'll be able to go back to life as normal. That hope is long gone. And many of us are weighed down. Not just from the pandemic and COVID, but just from the weight of everything, the weight of being separated from 
family in ways that we don't want to be, the weight of not being able to go to soup suppers, the weight of not being able to join together as a church family the way we want to be, and above and beyond that as well, the regular stresses of the holiday seasons and the Christmas time. It's a hard time for folks who have lost loved ones. It's a hard time for families that are breaking apart. It's a hard time as we know of a love that we truly want and a hope that we wish we truly had, yet in the daily experience we feel a hopelessness. So as those priests and Levites come to John, they say, well, fine, if you're not Elijah, if you're not him who was to come and usher in the kingdom. And if you're not the prophet that Moses declared would come after him, if you're not that greater prophet, if you're neither of those two things to bring us hope, who are you? And Isaiah, we hear of who John is. And that's exactly who John quotes. He says, I'm the Isaiah 40 guy. I'm the guy who's come to prepare the way of the Lord. I'm the one who is a voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight, the paths of the Lord. He's the one that's come to point. As we were driving that dark road, with nothing really around at all to have any bit of hope in, a set of headlights started coming up behind us. They were big headlights. And I slowed down a little bit as we were just trying to eke out our way on the gas as I looked over to the little computer on the side and it showed the mileage we had left on our tank of gas. And it was a little less than 20 miles, maybe 15 miles, which meant there was about a gallon of gas in the car and I hadn't seen a sign for hours on where the next gas station was. Well, it happened to be a semi-truck, except he didn't have a trailer on him. So it was just one of those big trucks with the big... Uh, valance on the front of it, and as he pulled around and then pulled in front of us, ended up being a, a wind block. I realized that we could keep going about the same speed, and I didn't have to use very much gas at all. It was like NASCAR racers drafting off one another, right? And so there's this little bit of hope. There's something in front of us preparing a bit of a way for us to be able to make our way down the road and prayerfully get to where we needed to go because we were running low. God calls us into people's lives at times to be that same preparer. To be that one that brings a little bit of hope into someone's life. Now, we are not the hope, but we're the ones that get to speak about that hope. We're the ones that get to point to Jesus and say, in the midst of your hopelessness, there is a hope that comes to you. There is a hope that's present in your midst even. Now, the temptation sometimes is to think that we might be the ones who are that hope, or we might be the ones who are that Savior, or even latch on to somebody else as a Savior or a bit of hope and lift them up on a pedestal that's a little too tall. Because, see, we're going to fail someone. And someone that we may put all of our hope in is going to fail us. See, because we can follow John's words, and I, I think they're good ones to take to heart and remember the strength of his conviction and confession when he says, I am not the Christ, but I've come to point to him. 
I've come to point him out. I've come to point to that light in the darkness, that light that will shine like no other light, and that light is present in the midst of you now. See, that light John was pointing to, we know is Jesus. A light that shines brighter than any other light in the midst of darkness. And in our dark times, we look for that light. We look for where it comes from, and we look in a lot of wrong places. As that truck continued to drive in front of us on the road, we were just, I think the little computer on the side had said we were down to five miles, but I know we had been already driving about 10, and it just hovered at five. And then these two little dashes came next to each other, which meant you got nothing. But the car was still running. And as we crested over the last little ridge, there was this beautiful light It was this beautiful, bright yellow light in the shape of a shell. And this shell sign was just hovering in the air. Well, it was on a stand. But to my eyes, at about 1.30 in the morning, it was hovering in the air over this ridge. And it was a bit of salvation. We knew we could make it because it was downhill from there to the shell station. So even if we ran out of gas, we could coast pretty darn close to where the gas station was at. And we made it. Not by any effort of my own or our own, but by the things that God had brought into our way to prepare the way to get us to where we needed to be. See, John was there to prepare. Now, he was there to prepare them for something that was already in their midst. And Jesus is already in your midst. Now, he's not present in flesh and blood as he was with John. He's not walking and talking in your midst as he was in that day in that first coming. Yet, he is very present in your midst by his word and his sacraments and by his church as we are the body of Christ. And so he works through those means to be present in your life as he has wrapped you up in the waters of baptism that his word was connected to, his promise that does not go away. His promise that is present with you. His promise that he will come again. And that he will come again as victorious one, as victor over sin and death. The victor who has come to redeem all things and make all things new and bring you into eternal life. That's the promise that we hold on to. That's the Lord that John pointed to. Because it's in Christ that we have our salvation. It's in Christ that you are loved and forgiven. It's in Christ that we have eternity. Not because we sought him or found him or looked for him anywhere, but because he has come to us. And we look forward to the day that he comes again. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us to bring us unto you that you have sent your son Jesus into this creation to die for it and live for it and redeem it and gather it back together unto yourself so that the day will come when he comes back and all things are made new and you are present with us once again. You in your light and glory, Father, and Christ in your flesh and blood present walking in and amongst us once again where there is hope 
and peace and love and joy, and there is nothing present to break that apart. We look forward to that day. And Lord Jesus, come quickly.